The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Tonight is the second in a series, a four-week series we're doing on the last three elements of the Eightfold Path. Well, that was a lot of lists right there. Four-week series, three elements of the Eightfold Path. You know, Buddhism's often called a religion of lists. <laughs> the seven this and the eight this and the four that. So last week we gave some overview and context about what the Eightfold Path it was, how it fit in with um, the Four Noble Truths and how that fit into the just overall Dharma teachings. Tonight we'll then focus on what is called right effort. Next week will be right mindfulness and then the following two weeks from tonight will be what's in English often called right concentration, although else we'll see concentration is not a good word, but we're kind of stuck with it. But uh, in Pali, it's samadhi, in Pali or Sanskrit. um, For any of you who have been around the centers like this or other places like Spirit Rock or other groups, or if you've been exposed to a number of different teachers, before long it becomes pretty obvious that uh, there's a wide range of the ways in which meditation is taught. And we'll be exploring that some of the range of ways a lot more in the next two weeks. Um, What I want to mention about that tonight is there's also a range of the in whatever way meditation, the technique is being taught, there's a range of um, the way instructions are given. And sometimes meditation is taught using very gentle, uh, passive voice language. And so they'll say things, you've probably heard people talk like this, maybe use language like, so if we're teaching mindfulness, for example, we may say, um, receive whatever experience is happening in the present moment or allow yourself to be aware. It's very gentle. Not a real sense of efforting or doing in that kind of language. It's more being receptive, being present. So there's some sense of presence and awakeness and but it's, it's not that um, energetic of a field to it. And then there's, of course, many, many gradations in between, but on the other end of the spectrum, the language can be quite effortful in the way it's talked about. And we want to rouse effort and work hard and lots and lots of ways like that that it's talked about. And so if we start to notice and pay attention, we can see just uh, in just the language itself may tend to have us in more of an easeful or receptive kind of state of mind or may stir us up or have us more active or engaged, Um, right? Right? 
right effort, it's interesting, just this idea of finding the balance or what we call right effort is so important that it's an element of the Eightfold Path itself. And for any of us who've ever practiced, we can see how important it is because um, there are times when we might be working very hard and striving hard and putting in a lot of effort or energy, which can serve us, of course, very well, but also it can cause a lot of suffering. Sometimes we get over-striving or we're trying too hard. And conversely, there's times when maybe we really it would probably help us to have put more energy in, be more actively engaged, and maybe we're not trying so hard. or So finding the right place of what's the right amount of effort, the right type of effort, is, is, is it's a big deal. It's really important. So we want to explore that a little. Just to, Tonight I'm going to talk about um, some of the different ways that right effort is understood and then spend some time, which is most important of, of for this evening, is what are specific ways we can work and practice to help us have a, uh, implement right effort. Or, so that's what, what we'll do. And then we'll have some time for some discussion or there might be questions or comments. The image that's often used, very uh, common image, for right effort is that of a stringed instrument. And the idea, I don't I can't remember, maybe it's a lute or something, but it's any kind of stringed instrument. The idea is, if you want to make beautiful music, the strings uh, cannot be too tight nor too loose. They have to be just the right balance. And that's uh, illustrating right effort is it's finding the balance there. But that image is missing a piece that I think is very, very important. It doesn't go far enough. You know, if you could put a measuring device that measured the, the amount of force, how many pounds of stress or force were on the strings of the, the, loose, the stringed instrument, Depending on the type of instrument and depending on what type of string you had, say the material that the string's made of, for example, the amount of force needed to hit just the right amount of tension is going to vary. Right? And so it's important to keep that in mind that for each of us, we're all different. So we all bring certain uh, tendencies or, or uh, proclivities, certain areas of strength, certain areas of our own, I don't know, weakness maybe isn't the best word, but you know, our strengths and weaknesses to our practice. Our needs, what we want to get out of the practice varies. And not only that, but it, so, so just from that perspective, the amount, you know, the amount of effort, what it's going to look like is not going to be the same for everyone, is the point I'm trying to make. But not only that, but even for each one of us, what right effort looks like is going to change. It changes possibly during the course of one single meditation period or over the course of a day. 
and it can change over, certainly over time, over a year, over a lifetime. So we can't give one instruction that's a one-size-fits-all or even for any one of us that's going to be the right instruction for all time. So as we're going to see, a big piece of this is knowing what to look for and then, and then it depends upon us actually bringing some awareness to what's needed and we'll come back to that in, in a little bit. I've known people who say come on meditation retreats or not just on retreats but maybe just in their meditation practice lives even in the daily life practice who um, have been very very consciously brought a real intensity I'm going to really work hard I'm going to put this effort in I'm going to really do it and I'm going to really go deep and and those qualities of course can serve them very well and I've known people that have it's where it's actually been a trap and it's caused tremendous suffering because you, if, if we get out of balance we can fall into overstriving and this idea of I'm gonna get you know anytime the the words in your mind you hear the mind say I'm gonna get that's a place to pause and be careful now we all do that we're all human beings right of course we want to get benefits and fruit from Dharma practice. And of course Dharma practice can mean a lot. It's not just formal meditation practice. I, I, all the different ways we talk about it here of cultivating these wholesome, skillful, beautiful Dharma qualities, you know, in whatever way we do it. Maybe it's just how we live our lives, here, uh, right? How we interact with other people, being aware in our day. Uh, so uh, Dharma practice, uh, takes many, many forms, we're tending here to, to focus more on what I'm calling the formal meditation practice. But actually everything we're saying here, uh, will, can, you can also apply to any aspect of your life. But I'm mostly going to be talking about it in terms of formal meditation practice. So I've known people who've created tremendous suffering f from it for a number of different reasons. One is because just the, uh, maybe we have some idea of what meditation practice is supposed to look like. And it gets talked about in the, in the traditional, in the source texts quite a bit. So there, there is a fruition or, or a fruit to practice. And we, you know, it's, it's fine. We, we, we should want to, uh, have, you know, be more peaceful rather than less peaceful. To suffer less rather than suffer more to be able to be more clear and mindful and awake rather than more reactive and caught up in things. So it's fine to want to head in what I call a, a good or positive or wholesome direction. And we have a path. It's an eightfold path. So the path does lead somewhere in our tradition. There are Buddhist traditions that don't talk about, like that about. But here, yes, there is a path. It does head somewhere. So it's fine to have some idea except if we get into a craving around it or if I've got to get and it takes us out of our present moment experience, right? We're missing what's happening in the moment, which is where we really need to be. To be. You know, all we have is the present moment. And it creates a lot of tension and suffering 
So not only because we think there's some place we've got to get and, oh, I don't have it, so now I'm suffering because this isn't okay. But not only that, that tension actually um, is a hindrance in meditation practice. It certainly is a hindrance to having the mind settle down because it's an agitated state if you take it far enough. And even as, if, to really go into the, or uh, touch into the subtler places of the samadhi concentration that we'll talk about in, in two weeks, that uh, requires a real um, quiet mind, a stillness of a mind. And that overdoing is actually too much agitation, too much activity. So we, we want to be careful about not getting out of balance with our effort which can happen, as I was saying, with for very sincere, legitimate, good reasons or good intentions. Right? Like I, I'm inspired when I see when I hear of someone or talk with someone who wants to put a lot in and is dedicated and everything. And you know, uh, so so we don't want to lose that. So that's one way we can get out of balance. The other way we can get out of balance with effort is when I've also known plenty of people who, you know, they're not striving, they're not getting tense or tight or stressing out, and, you know, they kind of take it as it comes, and that also serves those people very, very well. Except the potential downside there is there are times when what's really needed, we have to recognize when, and, but we need to kind of rev up the effort and the energy. And so if we get too far out of balance the other way, we just don't try and just go, well, it's all okay, and we kind of hang out. And, or, you know, we, you know I, I, I don't know if it's really true. I view myself as being a, a kind of a lazy person. I really do have that view of myself. People tell me it's not true because, you know, I, I do things. I'm, I'm, but really inside, like to me, a, a good afternoon would be like uh, to hang out on the couch watching a good old western movie. <laughs> I've talked about here before, I won't go into this too much, but I grew up with my father as a, a young boy hanging out on Saturday afternoons. I was, grew up in the 50s and in the 60s and watching these old westerns. And so it's been conditioned or habituated in my mind now that I really love them. I mean, I just do. And I don't know if, if it's politically correct to love Westerns, but <laughs> it is the way my mind is, is, is programmed, and I just love them. Even the bad ones, if it's on there, I can just feel myself, you know, if I'm flipping through a channel, I don't watch very much TV at all, but, you know, once in a while, I turn it on, and you know, I don't like what's on the news channel, so I'll just I'll go through, and next thing you know, it's like, oh, there's a Western, I can just feel the pull, right? <laughs> so, you know, and I can just hang out all day. My wife, on the other hand, She's the opposite. She'll, she's a real doer. Matter of fact, I don't think she'd be happy watching a movie unless she also didn't have, you know, the checkbook out in front of her that she's balancing at the same time. We're just the opposite, right? So I wouldn't say, "Hey, don't put, you know, put the checkbook away." It's actually this is a good illustration of right effort. Put the checkbook away and let yourself just enjoy the movie. She actually wouldn't enjoy the movie. And for me, I'm the opposite. If I'm here with this checkbook, I'm trying to watch the movie. I just want to get lost in this Western. You know, John Wayne, he's the rancher, and he's uh, the gunslingers and everything, right? I don't want to... So we're all different. So I tend to be, I think, kind of lazy. And so I, uh, since I, I at least 
have that conception of myself or the tendency is there. So I have some awareness about that and then I can make some conscious choices. You know, So maybe, for example, maybe I want to watch the Western. Actually, I haven't seen one in many years, but um, I did see, no, I saw, um, I can't remember, 310 to Yuma, was that it? 610, 310 to Yuma? That was a good movie. Good Western. <laughs> I can feel the craving a little bit of wanting to go see it again as I'm even... As, and there's a lot of violence in it, so you have to... It's a special... You have to... Not for uh, beginners. It's like an opera. You know, there's some operas that you, that you don't let the first-timer go to. So 310 to Yuma is more advanced uh, <laughs> Western. Three ten to Yuma. Just came out a few years ago. People are nodding. It's a it's a good movie. So um, don't go by what I say because I've never seen a western I didn't like. So um, it's not possible, right? So then you can be aware. Like maybe for my wife, she if she were here, she may. Um, I don't know what she'd say about it, but it's possible that she might say, well, you know, sometimes it'd be nice for me just to not feel like I have to do. And, and so she might make a conscious choice because of how she tends to work. She's actually, she's done that from time to time. And for me, I might say, you know, it's nice to watch the Western, but I really want to, whatever I want to do, I want to meditate, say. And, you know, if I watch the Western, um, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do it. So I need to, that's not really effort, that's more intention. But So we need to tune into ourselves and see what serves us best, how we naturally work, right? and then what the situation is moment by moment and what's needed. So I want to say a little bit then about, you know, we have this idea of right effort being balanced effort how we can put it into practice then, how we can apply it to our own practice. What do we do? <clears throat> but first I just want to pause and uh, there is one thing that I talked about last week and I can see that some of you are here who were, who were here last week but since some of you weren't there's one point I want to make that's important because we're using this word right effort, this word right. So in the English translation of all the elements of the Eightfold Path each of the eight in most translations start with the word right. And it's just the way that it was translated. So we want to be careful because um, in our culture it can have a, the word right can have different connotations and we want to be careful that we don't hear it to say right or wrong in the sense of like good or bad or, or that you're doing it right and there's this one right way that you have to get and if you don't have that right way that's the right interpretation and others are wrong. And What we really want to think of the word right, um, at Spirit Rock they tend to say wise and skillful rather than what right. In general most people I think it's just, it's just the way it is. Uh, we're mostly going to use the word right so it's going to be around. But you want to understand that it actually means what is, a, what is effort? or mindfulness, or concentration, or any of the elements of the Eightfold Path that's wise and skillful, that serves us the best to head us in the direction or to achieve the goal we want to achieve. That's all we mean. So we could actually say right or wrong in the sense that if it's not serving us, it is wrong in the sense that it's not judging but ourselves in a harsh way, but just that it's not heading us where we want to be. 
So that, just to make sure we're clear about this word right. So right effort. Every time I teach meditation, whether it's on retreats or just at a classes or just groups like this, I always make a big, big point to encourage people as much as possible to bring an attitude of ease and relaxation to start with. And I emphasize that a lot. That's the, the base. And so you notice already I'm not emphasizing putting much effort in it. It's just ease and relaxation. Out of that space, we can put in quite a lot of effort then. But if we have sort of a, we hold it in a bigger context of ease and relaxation, right, that will help us not to get over striving when we, even when we do, during the times when we make quite a lot of effort sometimes. So I make a big deal about ease and relaxation. And um, if I'm teaching on a retreat, I would say it several times every single day. I think it's so important. And I want to, we didn't give any meditation or instructions here tonight, but um, I would like to just offer that to you uh, for whatever it's worth to you. Starting point, ease and relaxation. Then another piece is, what would it be like to approach your meditation practice with no idea of getting anything or getting anywhere or attaining anything. Now, I do want us to get somewhere and attain something, but just the felt experientially is that we, the, what we bring to it, if we can bring an idea or a sense of not getting anything, just being present with whatever's happening moment to moment in our present moment experience. Just bring our mindfulness right to that. Along with the idea, it's really another way of talking about ease and relaxation. That is the foundational, to me, starting point for meditation practice. So we might spend some time even if we were doing... Um, you may want to in your own practice, at least if you haven't worked, or especially for those of you who are uh, you know, chronic overachievers, say, or not chronic overachievers, but just chronic achievers who can really do and know how to do. I don't want to put that label of overachieving, but just the people who really know how to, you know, I'm going to do this. Try it out for yourself. These are experiments. What would it be like if you take the first few moments and did nothing? You're not paying attention to your breathing or whatever kind of practice you do. You just try to bring a sense of ease and relaxation. Ease and relaxation. However you do that. Maybe it's taking a few deep breaths. Putting your mindfulness into your body. A sense of finding where the tension is and letting go. And then just bringing our mindfulness right to whatever's happening in our present moment experience. Checking in with our bodies. What's going on in our minds, the states of our heart. Emotions, thoughts, feelings, everything. And just to get a general sense. And noticing how we're relating to what's happening in our present moment experience. And see if there can be a sense of letting be. Or allowing, using those passive voice Verbs, like I was talking about earlier. Right? And, of course, there may be things happening in our experience 
that we cannot just be with and have a sense of allowing and letting be. And then we have to bring some accept, acceptance and a sense of allowing and letting be for that part of ourselves. Right? If we can't let go around this, okay, let's not, then we back up and that's what we need to tend to and, and just bring some acceptance to. Just some things to try out. There may be other ways that can help us be relaxed. Have our body, you know, we don't have to set our body up in some super, you, you can get in these fancy meditation postures and that's fine, but, um, you know, I like to tell people, and again, those different styles for different teachers, I try to have people sit in a way that's as comfortable as your body will allow. And that recognizes that sometimes our bodies don't allow us to be comfortable. And for some people, those are chronic, long-term, ongoing issues. So you do the best you can. You may have to lie down, you know, or whatever. Now, we want to sit, in a, if we're doing sitting practice, we want to sit in a way that can bring some alertness. So again, this is the balance. Finding a chair or a cushion or a bench and, or how you cross your legs or whatever. And sometimes it takes some experimentation and sometimes we need someone to help with our posture because we're trying things but we still have lots of pain in the neck or the back or the hips. And sometimes people who have some experience can come look at our posture. And if you haven't had someone do that it would be, and you need it, that would be worthwhile. You know, you talk to someone like me or Gil or probably Andrea or I don't know, talk to Maureen or I'm not sure who, who does that, who, who can help you and just take a look. And we don't have to be, you know, body work experts, but, you know, sometimes there's some basic things that are very common and you make a few shifts and can make a real difference. Uh, you know, it, that could be a whole discussion around, you know, have a whole posture clinic because it can be useful. So to sit in a way where we can be more alert and upright so we're not slouching, we're not falling over, we're not trying to fall asleep, we don't want to have dullness of mind. So being upright and alert, as long as our back is healthy, can, can, can be very helpful and important. But let's be as comfortable as we can. That can aid the ease and the relaxation. <clears throat> This, and then from that, this piece about seeing if we can have, trying our best, let's put it this way, to have an attitude of non-striving, of not getting anywhere. I remember once I was on a very long retreat, uh, many months, I was a year-long retreat, and at one point it wasn't going, it was a fine retreat, but at some point, you know, and I knew better. I had my conception, my ideas of what was going to happen. You know, it's a long retreat. This is going to happen and this and this. And I had touched in some of these meditative states before and I had it all planned out. And it wasn't cooperating. It was going in its own way. I was putting in the time and the effort, but you know, it was unfolding in its own way, how it does. So I went kind of whining, complaining to the teacher. And uh, among other things, he said to me, you know, what would it be like if you put your time in another retreat, and you know you knew you did your part, you did the best you could, you really tried, and nothing happened. I mean, it's not like nothing happened. You know, I didn't get any of the... I, it, it was just... It couldn't handle it. <laughs> Eventually, you know, as equanimity strengthens, and, you know, you, you come to these places, right? But at that point in the retreat, just, I don't know what... It, it would have been... Me and God would have had a 
meeting out there in the courtyard uh, and to, to settle this once and for all because it was unacceptable. <laughs> right. So, and I was creating a lot of suffering and stress around it. And it was kind of shocking to me when the teacher said that, but I've come to appreciate that a lot. Now, sometimes we have to fake it a little bit where really we know we want to get something. But we try our best to kind of relax around it, let it go, and still bring that sense of non-strive. So we do the best we can. All of these things, and I'm really just saying the same thing. You know, I told you how much I emphasize this and how hard it is. So, you know, I've really just been talking about these three things for the last 15 minutes. Ease, relaxation, and non-striving. Not over-striving. If we could really get that, that would be kind of the whole Dharma in a way right there. You know, I, I... sometimes talk about this poster that, that I saw back in the late 60s and early 70s here in the... I lived in the East Bay in Berkeley of the, this teacher, Meher Baba, who was not a Buddhist, but he was one of these Indian, I guess, out of the... one of the Hindu traditions. Showed him smiling. It just had a, the simple caption, don't worry, be happy. And if you saw that, he's got this big grin, don't worry, be happy. And I was... Um, meditation, meditator back then and at the time I didn't appreciate it I thought you know it's kind of nice and yeah it's okay but it's not that deep totally missed the profundity the whole dharma's right there you know if you could really get it don't worry just let, let hang on a second just let those words go in for a second really feel it don't worry be happy You know, if we could really get that, I do think it's the whole Dharma. And of course, and and so so oftentimes, you know, now when I think on, it's like, oh yes, it's so simple. Don't worry, be happy. And then, and we can get it in a moment. But then, what happens? You know, causes and conditions come together, and just push the right buttons in the places where our minds still are are not free. And we're hooked back in and we're suffering again. So that's why we practice, right? We're, we're, we, more work needs to be done. So all of these attitudes help us in the sense of relaxing in to our present moment experience. Okay. So you have to try out and experiment what will help you. And it's, you're not going to get it in one day. You know how they say when you're... If any of you are airline pilots, uh, you might, I don't know if I'm exactly accurate, but my understanding is, you know, if you're flying, you know, across the country or across the world, you know, you're never necessarily exactly on course. They're always making little adjustments. It's the same thing with right effort. You don't have to get it right, right? So this leads to the next part. Starting the best we can from the place of relaxation and ease then, yeah, we, we put in some amount of effort. Even if it's a sense... So the word effort, someone just was mentioning this to me a few weeks ago when they heard the word effort to them. Even if you're talking about balanced effort or easeful effort, the fact that the word effort is in there had the sense of really efforting, exerting, making an effort. And I think what we could put in is just doing balanced action, if you will. So we want to be clear, it doesn't automatically entail a lot of exertion 
when we're using the word effort here. It's right effort, balanced effort. So even if you're being then very receptive in your practice and there's not a lot of sense of, of the doing so much or it's more receiving, there still is some engagement, right? You're still putting some amount of effort bringing the awareness, if nothing else, to, to be receptive to what's happening moment by moment, right? <clears throat> there are places you can get to in your practice where it's really happening all by itself and there is no doing. And matter of fact, the mind's become so still you can't do. And that's a whole different thing. But we're not talking about that. Just here we are, we're engaged in our practice in the normal, everyday, conventional way we talk about it. And so um, there's always some amount of doing, even if it feels very light and thin, right? Just receiving your experience. Rather than spacing out, you're still at least inclining the mind back to your present moment. That's some amount of doing, even though it's light. Other people will talk in a way where there's a lot of doing. You're really, you know, connecting with your experience. You're really penetrating deeply into the nature of your experience. It can have a real active sense. And also sometimes, no matter what style we're practicing in, it just has a feeling of it's taking a lot of effort. You know, sometimes just to be present with our present moment experience, can, it's not so easy. And sometimes it does take a lot of effort. And so that's okay. We just want to be aware. Sometimes not. So one of the clues that can help us in balancing, it's not so much how hard we think we're working or how much effort we're doing or how little effort, is checking in to see if we're suffering in some way in the moment. That's always useful to do. If you, as the mindfulness strengthens, um, we naturally become more and more aware of what's happening in our experience and how we're being with it and the states of the mind and the heart and whether we're at peace or whether we're suffering. And you don't have to necessarily check in. So we can get there more and more. But also, it serves us to really check in, take time once, twice, three times, whatever, however much in the sitting. And, and maybe you're doing breath meditation just for example, or whatever your practice is. Maybe we let go of the breath and we just check in to see if we're suffering. That tells us a number of things. Because if we're suffering in some way, then we can look and we, can, we don't have to stir it up in a lot of words, although there could be a place where some um, verbal uh, investigation, could, I suppose, could be useful. But mostly, it's, I'm thinking it's more just connecting and experiencing. It's not necessarily verbal. I'm saying it in words. We're looking to see what's going on. Where's the suffering? It may be just that I'm not able... It may not be over-striving. It may just be that I'm not able to just relax into this experience. It's too unpleasant, say. And so I'm tightened or tense or I'm struggling against it. We can see that. And then perhaps when we become aware that that's happening, try to relax back a little bit or the best we can. See if we can let go around it. Let go of our suffering as much as we can. We may notice that what's actually going on and causing the suffering is we notice I'm tense or I'm tight, or we see that we're over-striving. That is the, it's, I was going to say the clue, but it's more than a clue. I mean, we're, it's, it's overt. We're seeing that the effort is out of, 
is out of balance. And what's needed is to relax back. Or for feeling dull and sleepy or spacing out a lot or just not interested. Well, there could be a lot of things going on. Sometimes it's just our energy gets low. It's not, a, right? And so we need to see, okay, what's needed now? Maybe we need to get up and do more walking meditation or get more active or, you know, whatever. maybe you realize, you know, I, I didn't get a good night's sleep last night and I'm fighting sleepiness. There could be many, many things. One thing it could also be is that we need to bring, in a, bring the effort back up a little bit because we notice that the energy's down. So again, without getting tense about it or overstriving, but just in a skillful way to say, oh yeah, I need to up the energy now, the effort now. So checking in, um, right? Seeing, checking it out every once in a while. I'm pausing because I realize I actually have a fair amount more that I could say and keep going, but I think what I want to do is pause now and just um, just for the sake of time, I want to have some uh, discussion time or question and answer so we can open it up to the group if you have anything, comments, questions. Yeah, I, I heard you talk about right effort in a, it seemed to be confined to a, a meditation context and I wanted you to comment on right effort in, in a broader context, um, specifically, I guess, in the West where we sort of accept a notion of socially engaged Buddhism where you're actually actively trying to alleviate the suffering of others. Uh, it would seem that some effort or some right effort um, is necessary in order to, to um, um, engage in, in the alleviation of suffering. And so... Um, it, it's it's, but it, I don't see it discussed, or at least you didn't discuss it. And so I don't want to. Yeah, and I had actually mentioned earlier that uh, I'm more focusing on the f- the formal meditation, but that it can apply to anything. Well, what I would say about it is that um, it's really the same thing. Anything we're doing, it's it could be we're talking about service or being socially engaged Buddhism, but it could also just be in any aspect of our lives. Whatever it is, there's some amount of effort. Now, sometimes we don't think like that, like if we're just going for a walk in the park or we're hanging out with our families or something like that. We, maybe it, it's not necessary to think about the level of effort so much because... I'm just saying, sometimes I think of it as it's being... Maybe effort's not the right word. It's more of, a, of an awareness. Yeah. And so if you're, you're aware of human suffering and aware of your capabilities in terms of alleviating that suffering uh, in that moment, and then you're able to actually act on it, then, then you, I guess, exercise the right effort. Uh, is, is what well, I are you about. talking about, I just want to make sure I'm clear, are you talking about um, making decisions about where to put our efforts, or are you talking about once we are engaged in some activity... Um, I'm gauging just, just, what the balanced effort, effort is. Make an effort, even right. simple day-to-day things. Like, for example, I, I was at a McDonald's, and it's kind of strange that you went to McDonald's, but I was at a McDonald's, and this guy comes up to me, and he says, you know, here's some change. I need $2 bills. And, you know, like he wants paper. He doesn't want the coins. And I kind of looked at it. It didn't look like $2. And so I, 
you know, I, I was going to actually react and say, oh, I'm going to get, you know, ripped off and, and not take the coins. And then I kind of looked at him and said, well, he looked like he, he was suffering, like he uh, may have been homeless or may have been uh, down on his luck. And so I, I said, okay, you know what, and I take in my pocket, I get $2, and I, I give him the dollars, and he, he gives me the change. And he says, you know, did you want to count it? And I said, no, nah, don't worry about it. And I just, you know, took the change. But it was like in that moment I sort of was aware of the suffering and said, okay, well, instead of reacting and saying, you know, this is a ripoff, I said, well, let me, let me see if I can help this guy. Right. So when I hear you talking like that, I understand what you mean about effort, but I would, this is just personal style, I'm not, when I'm thinking of effort, I'm using different words. I would actually, in relating to the Eightfold Path, I would call that more looking at right action, different okay. aspects. So it's saying, in any situation, first of all, it all, it's all dependent on having mindful awareness of what's going on so we can have a choice, because if we're just caught up in things, we're on automatic pilot, then we just act or react out of the way our minds are habituated or conditioned. So then all bets are off then, right? And I almost did it. I almost said, oh, right. this is a rip-off. But we, just, we, we all do many times because we're human beings and we're going to have times where we go back to, on automatic pilot, right? So the more we can be clear and awake in the moment, we have more possibilities of making some choices. Part of There's two things going on. One is, is that as we, um, as, as the wholesome forces within us or, or conditioned, wholesome conditioned patterns in us are strengthened and the unwholesome ones are lessened, weakened, then what happens is even when we're on automatic pilot and we're actually not making a conscious choice, we're just reacting, it still tends to come out in a way that's more wholesome and skillful because that's just the way our minds have gotten programmed. So we, if we want to acknowledge that. And also part of what we're strengthening is so that that stream of mindfulness is, even if we're not so consciously trying to practice, which is a good thing to do, but which can be very effortful if we're trying to do it in daily life, that wakefulness tends to f flow through naturally just in our day-to-day -day so that who knows how you might have reacted five or 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, I don't know, but, but I'm just, or someone else might have reacted differently. So once you're awake and clear and mindful, then it's what are the choices I'm going to make? But isn't there an effort to be aware and mindful? That's kind of what I'm saying, is that it requires some, some right effort to be aware. Well, but that's, I would say yes, except I don't think it's necessarily that simple because it just depends on um, where we're at in our own practice during the day and in our lives. So um, there's no question that, and I know probably many people here can attest to that, and I'm guessing you can too, you're, you're a long-time practitioner. I've known you back in the Santa Cruz days we were talking, and so, you know, look into your own life, and you don't have to answer, this is a rhetorical question maybe for all of us, but I know for myself, I can look back over some period of time and compared in general to then, just even if I'm not making effort, just the natural state of being has made a, a real shift and it's been quite transformational. And that sense of being, I'm not claiming that I never space out or I'm never on automatic pilot, but that place of presence and awakefulness and all that is much, much more naturally there. And it does feel like it's less making effort. It's just kind of the flow of the Dharma is flowing through more. So. And that doesn't mean that there's never also times when 
just for what you're talking about, to have the awareness, to make the right choices and how we're living day to day does have some effort. So I think both are true. And, and also there's an effort to get to that point, to where it's, it's right. natural. But anything is like that. You know, if you wanted to learn to play the piano, um, if you're in the beginning, it's quite effortful or any skill. And then you look at someone who's a, uh, a master, right? And um, it seems, you know, they're playing the most complicated, it could be beautiful and slow, but it could be quite difficult and challenging, complicated, but it looks like it's just flowing with ease. Now, it took a lot to get there. And even those people, um, I actually heard an interview with someone, this was just a few years ago, and I can't remember the man's name, but he was quite a famous pianist, quite old at this point. And he said, and so, you know, when he plays, I'm sure he goes into these, can have these concerts or whatever where it's just, it's just, he kind of gets out of the way, I think he was talking about, and it just happens, kind of, which is like any skill you develop. But he also said every morning he spends a certain amount of time doing these scales still to this day where he's actually putting in the effort. So for him, too, it's both. You still practice and you get the, the fruit of the practice. Okay, anyone else? Yeah. Um, my question is about if you're stuck <clears throat> in uh, something and everything you're trying to get unstuck isn't working and you're still stuck, um, what, how, what is the right effort in that case? Well, I, I don't know that I can, I can only speak in some generalities. Cause I, so look, I can't tell anyone what the right effort is. I mean, we could, the more you get to know what's going on, remember, the, the, the more you get to know what's happening, you know, get to know a person, someone else may be able to give some more specific tips. But um, sometimes we, it, feel, it does feel like we're beating our head against the wall and we're really trying to be wise and skillful and do the right thing and not get caught in overstriving or learn how to let go and, or whatever it is we're trying to do and to, to, to hit the balance. And we're, trying to, and we're bringing as much awareness as we have and still isn't working. And so then, um, well, what would be the... I don't know what the right effort is because it may not be an issue of... First of all, it may not be a question of effort. It may be a question of not the right amount of effort, but doing the right or the most skillful things. So, for example, you know, some person may be... I'll give you an example. So, um, in my first marriage, this was many years ago when I was in my early 20s, um, my wife and I, we were together for six or seven years, and we, um, we when we were going through our divorce, we you know had our issues and we were trying to work them out ourselves, and we were very sincere about them, right? And looking back on it, we both recognize now that you know it, we may or may not have saved the marriage, but what we really needed was some help. We really could have benefited a lot with some marriage counseling or couples counseling really needed it. We just didn't have what we needed to fit, to work it out. We were too charged, you know, and 
it, we just couldn't do it. it was, but we didn't know at the time. So that would be an example where you're doing everything you can think of and you're trying everything, and it may not be finding right effort. It just may be that there's, there's other avenues that need, or we need, some, we need some help from somebody else or some other guidance or maybe a, an objective observer to come in to talk to who can give us some guidance. So that's um, possible. It could be an, an, um, an issue of the right amount of effort. But, you know, my, just my intuition without knowing the details, but just from the way you said that, is that if someone is, have tried everything, really trying and putting a lot of awareness and thought and effort and trying this and trying that, it may not be about effort. It may just have not found the way, the way through yet. You know, and sometimes things happen where you're not going to fix it. You know, there can be hurts or loss or kinds of suffering that come to us. And, for, you know, like just, I'll just make up an example. Like if we've had... Um, maybe a really major loss, maybe like a spouse or a child. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to, I don't want to trigger anyone off here, but maybe something really huge. Someone it may uh, want to work through it. I, I, this may not be a good example, but just to say someone was trying to kind of work through it prematurely when what, you know, maybe... It doesn't, there isn't, it's not like you're not finding the right way. It's that your grieving process in this example takes longer than you think it should take or something like that. Or the healing process takes longer. So we have to be respectful of, of that also. So I don't know. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is that sometimes it may be effort. Sometimes it may be that we just haven't found the way through and maybe we can get some help, whether it's counseling or friends or outside. And sometimes it just, things need time to, you know, you know, you, you, right? The pie's not done till it's cooked, right? If it takes 20 minutes, it's not done in 10 minutes, right? So, um, and, it's, and it's, that's all there is to it. So, okay, is that... I mean, yeah, yes, no. I'm going to put myself out a little bit more here. Um, okay, so, okay, is that better? Okay, so um, I had an experience in a retreat once where there was something going on in the room that was continuously agitating me. It was, like, irritating. Yeah. And um, there was nothing I could do about right. that, you know. Yeah. And I, I found myself completely unable to settle, you know, and, yeah. and, to, and to meditate because I was right. like so distracted and so irritated. And so the, I guess that's what I was thinking. Oh, well, in a situation like that, it's... That. Well, I ha yeah, well, I, I have advice for that. <laughs> <laughs> now you're being more specific. Okay. So in a situation like that, we have to experiment a little and see what's going to work. So I'm just going to put a few things out there. I, 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 but so it may be... First, you try step one, which is exactly what you say. It sounds like it didn't work, but I just want to say step one is you go, okay, it's the third day of the retreat. The whatever it is, that person is, you know, I've listened. I was on a three-month retreat, and the person sitting next to me, 
uh, I call, this was many years ago, I called him the breather. Not that we were all breathing, but when he would come in, literally in my mind, I would think, oh, you know, I'd have a city wasn't there. Ah, oh, the breather's not there. And then he'd come in, it's just like, oh, no, it, the, no, this is my best time of day to sit. It's the breather. He'd come and sit, and he was just like, you know, and what am I going to do? I mean, you know, I tried different things. I would, so, number one, I was, you know, humor actually can work sometimes, right? So, um, but um, you, you realize you can't change it, and you realize how much you're suffering, and you sometimes that alone is enough to just kind of give up, surrender. It's really a letting go around it. Step one, you try. Right? I know you tried, it didn't work, but that's one thing you can do. Also, it may be times where you realize you're trying different things and it's not working, and so you, what's really needed is you're not able to let go around it. You're not able to have kindness towards whatever the breather. And so what I really did, what I did in my case was I found other places to go sit and meditate. I didn't sit in the hall. I've actually found some place I didn't know were at the center that I loved. That, so it actually served me well and everything. So, you know, you have to find what's skillful. If we really are just stuck in anger and burning and resentment and we can't let it go, maybe we need to get away from the stimulus. That's one thing. Another thing to try is that, that I found helpful sometimes that when you try these different things you're still not letting go is let your awareness connect right into the suffering that you're having. Feel the burn of, and I don't know, you didn't go into detail of how it was, the, either of the agitation or if you have ill will or hatred or whatever it is that's coming up, just the struggle. Go right into the suffering and really feel the burn of it. This is not for everybody. It's kind of maybe more advanced for some people. But that's, the, that's really get to know that suffering. Feel it. Because something in the mind is, not, you know, we can say, oh, we want to let go. And the present moment is just sound arising or whatever was happening in your retreat, right? The breather, it's just sound, right? But my mind wasn't able to let go around it, so I needed some help. So that's another way you can help. You can see, what is, why isn't the mind able to let go around it? There's something that's just not ready, doesn't want to. Maybe it doesn't quite get it on some level how much suffering there is around the clinging. So going right into the suffering can help too. Okay? Uh, yeah, I think, I think those are all good um, suggestions. And I guess you just have to try different... And I think experience with yourself... You know that these things often recur, so yeah. you have you learn right with the experience with yourself. You know right, and these are all experiments. <laughs> these are experiments. So you try, you know, and see how it works. We normally, if you ask it, somebody, a teacher, a question, they'll give you a range of options, right? Because you have to see what works best for each of us. So I, 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 I don't know, but yeah. Well, in that particular case, I was advised to go into the suffering and feel the burn and all that. How'd it work? It didn't work at all. It just felt terrible. Right. So what I would tell you to do in that case, if it were me then, so you've tried these different things, what I would say is, is, well, let's see if we can find a place where you're not in the hall that will work for you. And then you can either stay that way or maybe when you feel a little ready up for it, do an experiment. Come back in sit in the hall, you know the whatever, the breather's going to be there, you know ahead of time. So you come in, sit down and say, okay, I'm going to really try to work with this. Let me see if I can, 
come in fresh and you spirit, nope, nope, not ready yet. You go back to your other spot or, you know, so you have to just work it. All right. All right, let me, um, well, the problem is it's exactly nine o'clock now, which is the ending time, and I want to be respectful of the time. So what I'd like to do is, I know you raise your hand, um, so unfortunately we can't share with the group, but if it's something you wanted to, I'm going to hang around after a little bit, so I don't know if you want to talk to me or if you said something for the group, but I'll certainly be here. Yeah, we just went right up to the time, and in fact, um, we're going to do an extremely, we're going to do a 15 second closing. And if you can't even stay for 15 seconds, if you need to go, please don't feel funny about it. Take care of yourself. It's fine to leave. And if you can stay, um, what I, you can do whatever you'd like. I'd invite you to take two or three mindful breaths. Let your mindfulness connect into your own body and your own mind and the state of your own heart. Notice what's in your experience. You can slow this down on your own. We're going to do, we're just, we're only taking a few seconds for each step. And notice not only what's happening in your experience, but how you're relating with your experience. See if there can be a sense of allowing or letting be. You do the best you can. Whether your experience is pleasant or unpleasant, or maybe it's kind of neutral. May the merits of our, by merit I mean the, the good energy, the goodness, uh, the merit of our practice and our time together this evening be a cause and condition for the happiness, the welfare, and the liberation of all beings. So thank you all very much. I'm sorry about going over tonight. We really do want to be respectful of the time. Perhaps we'll see some of you uh, next week.